Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This is a podcast dedicated to providing you meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not, we are coming to you from the city of Portland, that is... The City of Roses. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we're talking about launching a job search after a long break. I use air quotes, of course, uh, because there's a lot of reasons why you would have a break in your employment. Sure. You might have just had a child or you're raising kids and you want to be a stay-at-home parent. Uh, You might be on some other kind of family leave. It's all good. Maybe you're taking care of one of your parents. Could be a sabbatical or, or, hey, you know, I just need a break from this. Or, Or maybe you were lucky enough to sell your equity in a firm and you just decided you didn't want to work anymore. Right. Yeah, I, I have a number of friends who have retired early and then decided they wanted to go back into the workforce because they wanted to either uh, regain their skill levels or maybe they wanted to start a different career in something they're more passionate about. I also have personal experience with long-term unemployment during the Great Recession. Yeah, back you, in you and I both. I, mean, nine, I was unemployed for three years. I was able to do some consulting during that time, but I wasn't really fully employed for three years. That, and that was tough. Yeah, it's hard. And and in some cases, people will take that situation, take some consulting, maybe even go with a contract role, but it's right. not their ideal. And so they're maybe in a situation. Or situa- part-time employment. Yeah, I mean, they're just doing something to pay right. the bills, which is totally normal. I, I think the idea here is uh, you're not the only one, right? right? Um, this season falls on all of us, and it affect it can affect us all in the same way. Right. What's really interesting is how it affects people dependent upon the kind of career they've had. Uh, those of us who had a, a career where change was considered normal or it's expected. I was in an industry for a while where if you were in the same job for more than a couple of years, people would ask you, why are you still doing that? Because there was an expectation that you would move on to a different company because that's how you moved up. There are other times when somebody who's been in a job for 25, 30 years who gets laid off before they had intended to retire and now they don't know what to do. In, in all these different cases, we have to remember what our values are, how, how that um, lack of employment affects how we perceive elements of our identity. If we identify with our career or with the, the role that we play, that can really wreak havoc on how we view ourselves. So launching a, a career or relaunching it after these breaks can seem daunting. We, we don't want to gloss over the emotional impact that being away from work can have on you, but we can use that emotional impact really to supercharge our efforts and to, to guide us in the right directions. They say, Scott, that games are won and lost by six inches, the six inches between your ears. And the mindset, checking in on your mindset, um, self-talk is so critically important. Uh, you really need to be conscious when you're telling yourself, oh, do I have what it takes? Oh, am I good enough? Right. Uh, and, and so I'm old or I'm, I'm out of date. or I mean, there's so right. many things that come into my mind that people are saying to themselves as part of this process. Self-doubt and self-talk are things that I talk to people about often. I know how it worked with me. I have friends that go through this. 
Um, I, I remember the video that I saw about self-talk. They had opened up a boutique, and I don't know where it was, might have been New York, but they opened up this fashionable boutique, uh, mainly women's wear. They did have some men's wear there, but it was mostly women's wear. And it wasn't anything that was high end. They wanted to get just regular people coming in. And obviously all of these clothes had tags on them. And so you'd see, and of course they had their, their hidden cameras everywhere. You would watch people's reactions as they would walk in and they'd look at the clothes and, oh, that looks cute. And then they'd look at the tag expecting to see a price tag. And on the tag, it would say, oh, this won't fit you. And on the next one is, oh, you're too big for this. And on the next one, it was some other um, insulting comment. And to watch people's reactions and how this was not okay. And then the salespeople would come up and talk to them about how they felt about it, because of course these weren't salespeople, they were trying to make the point, and how unacceptable this is. You can't talk to people this way. How many times do we say these things to ourselves? I'm too old. My skills aren't good enough. They're always going to find somebody better. I'm never going to be good enough. If you can't say these things to other people, you shouldn't be saying them to yourselves. And that was the gist of the video. It's a conversation I have with people all the time. Uh, it reminds me of something I heard long ago that we should all stand guard at the gateway of our mind. Meaning that. that if you want to protect yourself, you need to create a guard. And the idea here is whatever you're saying to yourself, capture it and put it somewhere else. Right. You know, uh, so I've, I've heard the one where people say, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh, I've been out of the workforce for so long. Right. But they're telling this to themselves. Right. They're, they're thinking the market's saying that, but it's actually them saying that. Exactly. What's really interesting is when someone says that to me, this is so hard, I generally ask them, why? Why is it hard? And it's not that it isn't. It's more the idea of giving them a different way to address it within their own minds because they may be asking for feedback. They may be asking me to refute that and tell them they're wrong. Well, they're not wrong. It can be hard, but we make it harder when we remind ourselves how hard it is. Eventually, we stop trying if we can't change that, that conversation. So by asking them why, it gives them an opportunity to change the conversation. Why is it hard? Well, I haven't done it before. Well, or have, it's been a long time. What do you think has changed? Well, no one wants to hire me because I'm fill in the blank. Yeah, right. And so I asked them, why? Why do you think that's true? Oh, well, I'm, I'm old. I, I just, I'm out of date. Okay. Let's say that's true. What's the liability there? Oh, that, um, you know, the liability is that I'd have to take a job for way less money than I'm worth. Well, okay. We can talk about the money in a minute. Money, remember, that is usually representing something else that we want, but... Lack of it. Or lack of it, because that's our fear, really. It's not that we will lack it on our next job. It's that we're afraid of that. So fear is false uh, evidence appearing real, right? So let, let's not go there yet. Let's talk about the idea that, okay, you're old. What are the benefits of being older? Oh, I have experience. You have experience that, that the younger set may not have. What else? Uh, well, when I was at home with the kids, I managed uh, a calendar operations for the food. 
Um, I made sure the house was clean. Right. Keeping the budget, making sure you're on or under budget, huh. making sure things get done on time. Isn't that you, what a general manager does? Yeah, we're talking about usable skills, things that are relevant in today's world. As we all get older, nobody who is alive gets to avoid getting older, right? We, we gain experience that helps us make, hopefully, better choices, better decisions. We, we learn from those things, and it gives us the ability to then be more resilient in times of challenge. These are skills that belong on the resume. If you have been a stay-at-home parent, and I talk to people regularly who say, I'm just getting back into the workforce. Really? You weren't working at home? Your children were growing up. What kind of work did that entail? You have been working all this time. You just weren't receiving a traditional yeah. paycheck. Well, give and yourself some credit. Different. Give Absolutely. yourself some credit for the sacrifice that you made and that what you did mattered, especially to the kids, but also to your future employer because you understand how to balance right. all these competing things. And, and, and in fact, it's funny, when my wife had, we gotten our kids to school age and we had enrolled our kids in school, it was like, ha, ah, she was ready to go back to the thing. But she was like, wow, I haven't worked in like seven years. That's a long time to be saying, sure. okay, well, what have you been doing the last seven years? And I said, you know what? I'm going to craft you a resume and I'm going to put on it chief operating officer, beach household. Yes. Right? And so this, this is what we put on her resume. And we talked about all the things that she did. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah. We, you have to remember, we've said it before. I'm sure we'll say it again. The resume is supposed to give a snapshot of your skills and experience. It is not a, res a snapshot of your income. Whether or not you've made a traditional paycheck given the job that you had in the moment is not relevant. If you have done volunteer work as uh, you know, an executive director, unpaid executive director of a nonprofit, Believe me, that is going to get the right kind of attention. Uh, it may actually look better than if you had been paid among certain individuals. The same thing is true when you've been doing something else with your time than having a traditional job. If you have had a household, you've been taking care of a parent or a, a, a child, you've been doing something that occupied your your mind it, it tapped into your skills these are all things that that belong on the resume to show someone what your skill set may be that brings up the breakfast club absolutely you know, i have the breakfast club which was a volunteer you know it's not really a non-for-profit but it is a volunteer community service yes that I was doing, so I put that on my resume. And it's on mine too. And I also put it on my LinkedIn profile, Yep. right? So people can see that I was doing something good. And that's actually, the, the time that I spent doing that made me qualified to have the job I have now. Exactly. Exactly. We've, we, we both have had a lot of experience that we wouldn't have had had we not let people know about what we've done in, in terms of all our volunteer work. Uh, I, I, I'm really surprised at how people think that putting a volunteer position is a detriment. Uh, maybe they're thinking that, oh, well, I couldn't get paid to do that work. No, volunteering is actually seen in a very positive light by most people. So if you've spent a lot of time and energy doing volunteer work for good causes, that is going to benefit you in the long run. 
if you're keeping track, right? So the thing I've seen with people is they go to do the the volunteering and they do it for a different reason, right? To feel good. Right. Which don't get me wrong, that's awesome. I think it's also important that you recognize that if you're doing something good, that you write it down. Sure. That you keep track of it. That you look at what it, what it was like before and after you actually did that work. So really that you good can, point. You can document it on your resume. Well, that also gives you something to talk about when you get into your networking. If someone asked me during a period where all I was doing was volunteer work, they asked me, well, what do you do? Oh, well, I lead a, a volunteer group that is doing X, Y, and Z. It didn't matter what it was. I could then talk about the skills that I was using mm. that might be relevant to something that may come up. Mm. If I'm talking to somebody that I know I could benefit, I can start talking about the ways that I benefit them from what I've done in my past. It doesn't matter that I didn't get paid. Without saying, oh, I'm unemployed. Right. I'm Johnny Job Seeker. In, in fact, I generally give people the advice, don't start out by saying I'm unemployed. The reason why, and we've talked about this in a prior podcast, if I let somebody know, hey, I'm looking for work, and they don't know of open jobs, that puts up a defensive wall because they want to help you. Most people want to help those that they have good relationships with. And so when you, you throw it out there that, hey, I'm looking for work and they can't help, that will slow the conversation down. On the other hand, if you tell them what you are currently working on, regardless of what that is, the chances are pretty good that the connection will continue to, to strengthen. Good points all around. Gosh, we're awesome, aren't we, Scott? Oh, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the idea here is how do we overcome this perception in our own minds and how do we engage the marketplace? Negative self-talk can be exacerbated if people start diving into online applications. They're not hearing anything. They're maybe not getting any interviews. Right. They're they're assuming, woe is me, the market sucks. And I'm unemployable. Yeah. I, I, during my long-term unemployment, I talked that way to myself and because that's what it felt like. And I, I, I would tell people, I'm just being honest. I, if I can't contact these hundreds of companies about how I could help them and have none of them get back to me, um, you know, I must be unemployable. Well, not so much. Uh, there's a lot that's out of our control. And when we take onto ourselves responsibility for things that really aren't our responsibility, we're going to really take ourselves off track. On the other side of that, when if that's all I'm talking about, that's how people are going to perceive me is, oh, well, he's unemployed. I would much rather have people talking about me, oh, well, he's working in a volunteer capacity, or these are the skills. If that's what I'm talking about, that's what people will remember. So here's our opportunity while we're networking. Yes, our past, we can talk about it. We can talk about those skills. But when we shift the, the conversation to what our potential looks like and the skills that we are interested in using moving forward. It's a very different conversation. Our self-talk changes and the way people perceive us changes. There's two things that I got out of that. And from my perspective, what I encourage people when I'm coaching them is that where you've been is not nearly as important as where you're going. Yep. What does that mean? Well, that means if I've been out of the marketplace for a long time, I'm not under any obligation to share that with anybody. Sure. However, if I'm going to be diving into this thing called networking, I should let people know where I want to go mm -hmm. so that I can then influence my future. The second thing is 
people will accept you whether they know you, whether they know you or not for what you say you are. Now, it's going to take a little more effort for those people that do know you as something else to change their listening right. for you. For the most part, if you're reaching out to people you don't know, they're going to say, oh, okay, so you have these skills. I accept that until you do something that changes my mind. Well, it, it's interesting you mentioned that too. Uh, the idea that we get pigeonholed by the people that we know, that's a, a human tendency. I mean, we, we can't get around that. But it brings to mind a good friend of mine who has been a chief financial officer for a number of nonprofit organizations. She is talented. She is empathetic. She's everything that you would expect in a financial um, uh, leader, plus all the people side. She's amazing. And when she decided to leave her last um, CFO position, she decided that she wanted to do something different. She had thought about this a long time. She had just lost um, one of her parents as well as uh, someone else that was really close to her. And she started to rethink what she wanted to do with the rest of her career. And interestingly enough, she got into recruiting which was a big step back financially, but she didn't need the money. She wanted something that would be different and fulfilling. And so now those of us who know her are starting to look at her in a different view. Well, she has a wealth of information in her head that will inform the way she recruits. She's going to be a phenomenal recruiter. I would never have thought she was interested in doing that. We in our lives today, given the current status of the economy, going to probably have somewhere between seven and 10 jobs in our career. Yes. And so even though you've been out for a while, as long as you have a skill set that's in demand, you're going to find something that you can do, right. that you can get paid to do. And if you're one of those who thinks, oh, well, my skills aren't in demand, I'm going to challenge that. Most of the time, we all have skills that are in demand. We just have to identify them. And who needs them. Right. That's where the networking comes in, Indeed. is that we're always looking as we encourage. We'll, we'll actually leave in the show notes below the four-part series we did on the anatomy of a networking conversation, because really we're only looking for information and advice from yes. the people right. that were probably needing to change our, their listening for us because they know us as a stay-at-home mom or long-term unemployed or whatever. Or whatever it is. Um, and so they need to know how they can help us. And when we start talking about what we're, we want to do in the future, whether that's our passion job or whatever it is, if our focus is on what we're, where we're going, the conversation is going to move towards where we're going. It doesn't stay put in what we used to do. Well, that does it for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. You can get all of the show notes and resources at jobseekersradio.com forward slash zero two five. Well, thank you all for listening, uh, for joining us in this, for participating. We hope that when you log into iTunes and subscribe, that you will also leave us comments, give us feedback. We want you to be part of our conversation. If you have questions, ask them there. We would be happy to create more podcasts around the questions that you have. Scott and I are really honored that you would spend this time with us. We know it's really valuable, and we really appreciate the investment that you've made. Until next time, I'm Scott. And I'm Andrew. We'll see you around the corner. Thanks. Bye-bye.